Welcome back to the Eva India Insights Podcasts. Today we are launching a new series called Navigating Cyber Threats as part of the Cyber Awareness Month special. In this series, you will learn how to navigate current cyber threats and how as a leader, you can effectively approach the challenges of today and tomorrow. In this premiere episode, we will explore two anticipated trends in cybersecurity that are ethical hacking and bug bounty programs. I'm your host Taranam and joining us today is Rajesh Kumar Dilli, cybersecurity consulting partner at EY. Rajesh currently focuses on cybersecurity solutions aimed at improving the security posture management for our clients in the EMEA region and brings over 25 years of cybersecurity experience across various industries. Welcome to our show Rajesh. How are you today? Thanks, thanks Taranam. I'm doing good. That's great to hear, Rajesh. So uh, it's a pleasure to have you as our first guest in our new series, and uh, let us dive in. So within the cybersecurity industry, there is a large and growing community of hackers who use their skills for good, making it a promising and emerging field. How do you think can someone pursue a lucrative career in this field? It depends on what stage of the career you are in. If you're someone uh, who's trying to get into an educational institution right after your school, like a UG or a PG program, there are a good number of colleges which offer courses on cybersecurity. And uh, we are already seeing a surge in the, the institutions who are offering such courses. And the specialization include uh, ethical hacking, forensics, and, and a lot more. But, but if you're someone who already made it to the uh, 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 colleges and uh, or into the IT field and looking at uh, look, uh, taking cybersecurity as a specialization. Today, we have lots and lots of options. We have uh, certification bodies who offer uh, uh, courses on cybersecurity, including labs where you can practice on uh, EC councils and offensive security as some of the, the well-known ones. Uh, these are paid ones, obviously. Uh, some of them are a bit expensive. But, but uh, there are also a lot of uh, free options that are available for users. Uh, Web Security Academy, OWSP, which is a well-known uh, uh, industrial forum for application security. Some of them also offer these courses for free and they also offer their, some of the labs. And today we also have uh, the cloud providers, including Microsoft, AWS, who also offer some of their security programs uh, free of cost. Uh, but the best uh, fact is that you know, the, today you will find a lot of uh, uh, materials on social media. Uh, well, most of the programs offer theoretical content. There's a challenge on where the knowledge can be practiced. I think that's one of the areas where Bugbounty has uh, taken a big importance. Uh, because it's not only like you can learn the uh, cybersecurity field there, but you also get to practice your skills on some of the real-time applications, including they like subgiants like Facebook, Google, and Microsoft. And uh, the best part is you also get paid while, while you find some of the, the vulnerabilities on their platform. So Bugbounty as a profession has taken a significant uh, uh, career change for most of the uh, uh, security researchers. Uh, it, uh, for example, you get an option to do remote working career. So that's one of the, the main areas where we're seeing most of the security analysts prefer Bugbounty. So you can be in any part of the world and you can participate in bug bounty programs. And the, the other interesting fact is that 
You don't have to be in even in the cybersecurity field. You can be a system administrator. You can be an application developer, but you can take cybersecurity as uh, uh, your hobby. And uh, in your time, available time, you can find uh, vulnerabilities on some of the programs and you can get paid. So the, the field of cybersecurity with the, the current trend where we are seeing lots and lots of attacks going on. And uh, there's a big amount of demand uh, in terms of the, the skills. So I, I think the industry is going in the right direction in that area. Sure, definitely very um, insightful perspectives, Rajesh. Um, so for aspiring ethical hackers, how can they expand beyond traditional software and increase the integration of AI and automation, in your opinion? We need to understand what is happening today in the industry. So today, for every software, every component that gets added to an application, uh, there is an enormous amount of vulnerabilities that come along with these software components. So uh, relying on just humans and without any automation to find out vulnerabilities is going to be a big challenge. And uh, we already have uh, leverage to some extent in terms of scanners, which do, autom do automation to find some of the vulnerabilities and uh, help the, the workload of uh, the human element. But uh, with the uh, innovation of AI, machine learning, I think that's going to be a big game changer here. So for example, we can use automation of uh, the, the vulnerability prioritization platform. So when you have a big uh, landscape of vulnerabilities, you can use AI, artificial intelligence, to see which are those actionable threats that you need to work upon. If you also look at the security landscape, automated scanners are already started using AI. Okay, while still human element is required to identify a good number of vulnerabilities. So it's not like one versus other. Both of them are currently being employed in the industry today. But if you look at the human element, there is a good amount of bespoke vulnerabilities which an automated scanner cannot find. And that's where uh, you know, the human element is being used. Now, if we can uh, leverage artificial intelligence and help uh, you know, reduce the, the human element here, so you now have the, the time of the, the precious time of the ethical hacker to focus more on complex and novel security issues. Say, for example, uh, reverse engineering. Okay, so that, that takes a good amount of time of a security analyst. What if we can use or employ AI techniques, AI artificial intelligence techniques to do reverse engineering? I know that's a big game changer. And uh, what about analyzing source code? Now, when you look at any application, you know, you have millions and millions of lines of code. Now, that's another area where we can use artificial intelligence to identify the, the uh, vulnerabilities. By using predictive analytics, AI can simulate attack scenarios to identify weakness in network infrastructure. Say, for example, you want to create a payload you know, after you find out a vulnerability. Now you can use artificial intelligence to create a payload and check whether the vulnerability is really effective, it is a true positive, and which is something which needs to be acted upon. And another area can be phishing, which is you know, very common. Now, if you look at that today, a human element has to do a lot of work, especially when I want to do phishing in different, different geographies. I need to know the languages and everything. And more importantly, the, the right sense of the, the grammar in that particular language and everything. So that's another area where AI can, artificial intelligence can play a big role there. And uh, with more and more adoptions of uh, IoT and connected cars, I think the role of ethical hacking 
needs to be focused on these areas too. But uh, the challenge is this requires a different skill set. It's, it's not about uh, testing traditional application security and everything. And moreover, uh, where do we get to practice on this one? So that becomes another challenge. So that's where I think organizations are today uh, do a lot of tie up with uh, uh, you know the 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 automobile manufacturers, uh, medical device manufacturers, where they get to test some of these softwares at an early software development life cycle. Right, those are some very interesting points, uh, Rajesh, and great to see the scope of it expanding at such speed. Now, if we were to talk about ethical hacking, uh, penetration testing and red teaming are the most conventional forms of it. Uh, could you explain the differences in their effectiveness and what would be the best approach for small organizations with limited budgets? We need to first understand the purpose of performing a penetration testing and a red teaming. It's not a one versus other. Both have different objectives and offer different end results. You do penetration testing as an organization when you want to identify the entire list of vulnerabilities across your infrastructure and application. On the other hand, you do red teaming when you want to assess the monitoring and defensive controls of an organization. Red team assessments are carried out when an organization has invested in SIM and a SOC. Okay, so if you're an organization who has not invested in SIM and SOC, then red teaming brings a little value to, to the organization. That's one uh, uh, major difference in terms of the objectives, but it doesn't stop there. When you look at the focus, you know, as a pen tester, you have a different set of a focus. Uh, your job is to identify uh, the, the comprehensive set of vulnerabilities across the entire infrastructure. And as a red teamer, you don't have any restriction. Okay, you can go and identify vulnerabilities on the physical security. You can go and identify vulnerabilities on the wireless security. So the focus is more on how do I get from the outside to the inside all the way to data exfiltration, typical to what a, a real ransomware attack or other attack happens these days. The, the other difference comes to the effort and time. Because of the, the complexity in doing a red teaming, Time required for red teaming is way larger than a penetration test. Because in a red teaming test, one is expected to simulate the behavior of an adversary group, which we call it the, the TTPs, the tactics, uh, techniques, and procedures. You're not only required to identify and exploit the vulnerability, but you need to persist that vulnerability, meaning even if the machine restarts, the access should be there. You should be able to take control of one machine, compromise the other machines on the network, and all the way to the active directory. So the, the, the focus of the red teaming is something different. The other big difference between a penetration testing and a red teaming is about the noise that we create. A penetration testing is uh, a well announced test where most of the stakeholders in the organization know about when the test is going on. They're well informed. On the other hand, red teaming is one such exercise where it's kept very stealthy from all the stakeholders. Most of the times it's uh, informed only to the CISO team. And it's kept secret from the, the, the SOC team because uh, the outcome of a red team is also to evaluate the, the, uh, the alertiveness of a SOC team. So, so if you, I think you would have understood where the red teaming is being used, where a penetration testing used. Just to make it simpler, you do penetration testing when you want to evaluate 
the preventive controls in the organization. On the other hand, you, you, you do reteaming when you want to evaluate the monitoring and detective controls in an organization. Now, if you are a small organization, now there's no exception. Penetration testing is a must. VAPT is a must for any organization. Reteaming comes at a later part where you want to evaluate if an attack is supposed to happen in my organization. Will I be prepared? Is my defense acting properly? Is my monitoring teams getting the right alerts and they're taking the right direction? So that's where the difference between the red teaming and penetration testing uh, uh, kicks in. Hope I have answered your question then. Sure, thank you for touching upon that in such detail. So for our listeners, could you explain first what are bug bounty programs? And secondly, how do they emphasize identifying vulnerabilities in the supply chain? The bug bounty program today is being conducted by organized parties. Say, for example, Acker One is one of the well-known platform. We have bug trackers and other platforms. So we have a couple of uh, platforms where you know, somebody can register and uh, as, a, as a ethical hacker, you can participate in the bug bounty program. On the other hand, the corporates, for example, today we have Facebook, a lot of, lot of organizations. So any organization can today participate. So they can go and approach any of these uh, bug bounty programs and say they want to get their software tested. Obviously, you can put your rules of the engagements, what can be tested, what cannot be tested. So that can be listed down. And you also uh, list down the awards. So for example, if somebody is able to uh, do a particular exploit, so for example, if somebody is able to gain access to an administrator access, this is the amount that uh, somebody will be paid. So you have different levels of bounties that are paid uh, across different uh, uh, types of vulnerabilities that people uh, identify. Now, coming back to supply chain. So before I talk about security or cyber security in the supply chain, we need to understand uh, uh, some of the challenges that we have. So for example, as an organization, today we do employ a lot of software within our products. And today there is a lack of visibility on where the vulnerability lies in. Because the organization typically tries to take all the effort to secure its own code base. But now, within hidden in the code base are also libraries and other software components which are coming from this supply chain. Some of them include FOSS, which stands for free and open source. Now, even those components needs to be analyzed. So software at the end of the day is a software. Now, if you even manage to identify a vulnerability in a, uh, uh, this third-party component, and, and if, it may, if it happens to be a, a open source component, now you go back to the open source component vendor and say, I have done a, a testing of the, the product and I've identified a few vulnerabilities. But the challenge here is we don't have an agreement with the open source vendor. So they will obviously accept the vulnerability, but when they are going to fix the vulnerability becomes a challenge because you don't have an uh, agreed SLA with the, the vendor. So that's where uh, some of the, the bug bounty programs have taken a step uh, uh, upwards. Say, for example, Acker One. Uh, one of the, the well-known programs. They have already expanded the bug bounty program and they call it the Internet Bug Bounty Program. So this is a, a, another form of a bug bounty program which is focused on the, the open source software. Okay, so security researchers now get a chance to test open source software also. You, you could have, they could have tested even before this as well. But what are the rewards of, of it? You don't get paid. But now you also get a chance to test 
at the same time also get paid for the vulnerabilities that you, you know you identify on the open source software. Uh, that's one of the, the, the bug bounty programs. Google also has a, a open source bug bounty program. So this includes uh, the well-known components like Angular, Golang, and everything. And the other interesting aspect of Google is also the way they do the rewards on the, on the supply chain. If as a, a ethical hacker, you identify a vulnerability, but you don't want to take the, the merit or reward, but you want to pass it to any charity or do, no donation, now, Google will double this for you. That, that's another interesting aspect. As an alternative, if you're an organization, okay, where you are using a, a lot of open source components, but now you want to uh, uh, ensure that whatever open source components you use within the organization, you want to ensure these are being secured, you can now approach one of these bug bounty programs and say, can these softwares also be listed there? So that is also today possible because Acheron for uh, is one uh, uh, program is already is doing this uh, area. Now talking about uh, uh, the vulnerabilities in supply chain specifically, I think that's one area where the the organizations have taken a big step. So we would all uh, hear this term called the security code review. So this was there for a long period of time. Now, with all this recent attacks on uh, uh, supply chain, what we are seeing is a, a different approach or probably the expansion of the, 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 the scope, what they are doing right now. So there is a, another scope called a, a source code composition analysis. So before even I have to identify a vulnerability, as an organization, I want to know what are the components I'm using in my uh, software. So that's another area which is uh, uh, predominantly being employed by organizations. And uh, the objective is again, not only to identify the components, which we call the software bill of materials, but also identify the vulnerabilities along with the licensing right. For example, you might use a, a, a third party component, which uh, you might not use in your production applications, or you might not be free to share this, uh, you know, this source code to other uh, uh, developers or other third parties. So there's a lot of licensing rights as well. It's not just vulnerabilities, but there are a lot of licensing risk as well. So this is where the, the source code composition analysis is, is making a big change in terms of the, the supply chain security. Sorry, I'm certain it uh, helps set things in context for a lot of our listeners as well. Uh, lastly, Rajesh, we'd like to understand from you as technology advances and new attack vectors emerge, what opportunities and challenges does the future of ethical hacking hold? It's a very interesting question because if you see uh, the, the technology innovations that we are seeing, cloud computing, I won't call it a, a innovation uh, uh, because every company today we speak is already on cloud. And the other area is IoT. Today we are seeing a lot and lot adoptions of IoT devices, IoT and connected devices. You would have heard about connected cars. Today every automobile uh, has a connected car component. So there's a, a good amount of uh, technology advances that are happening. The question is whether do we see a, a shift in the ethical hacking? Are we getting the right set of skill sets for people? That's one area where uh, we are seeing a, a big shift in terms of organization. But when it comes to bug bounty programs, it's going to be a challenge. If, if you recollect when we talked about uh, how do you take part or how do you learn cybersecurity, we talked about a lot of programs where you get to learn, you get to practice and everything. But when it comes to these type of uh, uh, cloud computing, IoT, connected devices, 
one of the biggest challenges you can learn but where do you get to practice because you need a connected devices component not only the 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 car component itself even the utility to act these devices come in form of an hardware and some of them are very expensive and uh, some of them you don't get in certain geographies so that that's definitely a challenge there so that's where you see organizations today tying up with automobile manufacturers for you know uh, uh, looking at the cyber security program they're looking at the software security of the, the, the connected device component looking at the the cyber security of iot devices so there we see a lot of shift there and we are also seeing a lot of shift in terms of the the skill sets uh, uh, in terms of ethical hackers uh, because now with the the uh, a rapidly picking up now we are also hearing something called act gpt so today if you want to act any application you want to act any software you want to find out a vulnerability in a software a is going to do most of the job so now we want the ethical actors to move from what they have been doing on the traditional work to move into this niche areas work on uh, ai work on cloud computing now when we talk about these areas an interesting aspect is microsoft recently announced something called a a bug bounty program it's, it's not a normal bug bounty program it's a a bug bounty program which is focused on the uh, uh, tools which are using artificial intelligence for example bing the the browser so the challenge with this is with the traditional skill sets what we have learned that will not be a uh, no sufficient for doing the the job here because when you want to come and test some artificial intelligence tools you need to understand a couple of things say for example you need to know about language models you need to know about references so those are some of the areas which you need to learn similarly when you want to do a, a security of a connected cars you need to first understand what is the ecosystem of a connected car what happens in a connected car what are the various components that are used in a connected car so now we are seeing a shift where a domain expertise is uh, more important you need somebody uh, to understand the domain first before they talk about cyber security so if you are talking about uh, uh, looking at vulnerabilities in an ai tool you need to first understand ai similarly when you are talking about iot you need to first understand what is an iot component similarly for connected cars iot connectors requires some special equipment which i have already mentioned which uh, is a game changer because if you are not part of an organization then it becomes a challenge because you need money to buy some of these tools and these are very expensive in terms of opportunities for uh, uh, bug bounty i think we are already seeing the the uh, the, the game changing what bug bounty is bringing it today we are looking at uh, uh, colleges where people or students are already seeing the demand for bug bounty and we can see students from the third year for fourth year you know as part of the, uh, the the curriculum who take bug bounty as a, as a profession you now it gives a lot of advantages one while you are sitting for your job it gives an added advantage that you already have learned something in cyber security and if you manage to get a vulnerability you know it becomes much more added advantage because now a, a company is coming to hire you they know that a person has already spent a good amount of time uh, in learning the field and they also demonstrated by way of finding vulnerabilities and the more important part in the college uh, while you are doing a college and you participate with bug bounty you also get paid and some of this uh, uh, bounties are good really good you know uh, ft uh, 
we would have seen in the media. So, so some of the Indian researchers who have found out uh, uh, vulnerabilities in Facebook and I would have gotten uh, uh, five digit uh, no, uh, bounties. No, that, that's a very uh, uh, good amount. And as I told initially, uh, a remote working option. So that's another area where more and more cyber uh, researchers uh, are planning to take the career. No, now you are no longer uh, constrained by the location. You can sit in any remote part of the world and you can still contribute on cybersecurity. For that matter, you don't have to be even in cybersecurity. You can work as an administrator, you can work as a software developer, but you can still uh, participate in cybersecurity. So uh, cybersecurity offers today uh, a vast amount of you know, opportunities for, uh, uh, for people who are engaged in security research. Thank you for that. All such great insights for us, Rajesh. Uh, thank you. And I think our listeners definitely have a lot to take back from this episode on the intricacies of ethical hacking. Uh, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you, Tarno. I think uh, with uh, uh, the, the, the surge in the cyber attacks which you are seeing and the new innovations that is happening in the, the market, especially with the invention of AI, the cloud technologies, machine learning, everything, uh, I think development is required from all the, the, the ends. I think uh, we are seeing the security vendors, most of, uh, most of them are using uh, AI in their tools, uh, including vulnerability scanners and everything. On the other hand, we are seeing organizations employing AI in their uh, both defensive and preventive uh, uh, controls. We are seeing uh, the ethical hackers uh, uh, totally shifting from, uh, uh, from the traditional software hacking to the to the new age uh, software programs of hacking, so so this is a growing demand that is happening, and uh, I think it will continue. So it's going to be AI with AI, use of AI in offensive and AI use of AI in defensive. It's going to be a good battle going forward. Sure, thank you for your valuable time today, Rajesh. To all our listeners, if you have any feedback for today's episode or questions for us, please do feel free to share it on our website or email us at markets.eyindia at the rate in.ey.com. Be sure to join us in our next episode on Operation Technology Security. Until next time, I'm Taranam, and this is the Cybersecurity Month Awareness special podcast series by EY. From all of us here at EY India, thank you so much for tuning in. Mm -hmm.